Hello, Podwalkers, and welcome to another episode of the Goblin Lore Podcast. Uh, we are back today with our longest-running series, actually. This is one that we started pretty early in the show, and we thought was going to be this thing we did a lot of, and then we, we kind of had a big gap, <laughs> and then um, have been doing more in, in the last year or two, which is, which is really nice. So we are here to do a Goblin Profile. Um, just before we get too deep in the episode, just want to thank the Grinding Coffee Company. I tend to forget, but I just want to get that out early. Um, they are a wonderful sponsor. They have been sponsoring us for a while. They're a uh, coffee company that is uh, Black-owned, uh, LGBTQ-ran, just this this wonderful coffee company, wonderful people who... They like to support gamers. They reached out and have been supporting us for a while. They they contribute to all the charity stuff that we like to do. Uh, and you know, now as we're recording this, it's February, so we're a couple months away. But we've got you know Mental Health Awareness Month coming up in May. We've got Pride Month coming up in June. We've got just all sorts of stuff coming down the pike. It, I'm sure as as we get going, and and um, it'll be wonderful to to work with them for these things uh, once again this year. And for other whatever else comes up, um, so that out of the way, I might as well promo. I guess so. We're doing a goblin profile. Um, sorry, just a little discombobulated. We were talking before the show. This has been kind of a weird week for us, um, including the fact that Hobbs will not be here. He unfortunately um, has just is it just hit him hard enough that he is taking the night off from recording. So got. Um, Myself, I'll introduce myself. Of course, Taya can introduce herself, and then we'll get into the topic. Um, I have said everyone else's name except for my own. I'm Alex. Twitter at Sometimes now, maybe a little more than I used to, but anyway. Uh, and today we're doing a Goblin profile of Vile Smasher because Taya, you have a Vile Smasher deck that you've been telling I us do. about. I do. Um, she's uh, one of my favorite named goblins. Um, by the way, you know I'm Taya. She, her, they, them pronouns. Uh, my Twitter is at Taya Transcends. And Vile Smasher is a fun goblin like a lot of legendary goblins we don't have a whole lot of story on her but um she does one thing and does it really well which is throw files of dragon fire and set things on fire oh yes which is absolutely uh makes makes her legendary in in multiple ways both in the the actual card mechanical way and in the the but also in the very good, uh, you know, the mill mill way there. But also in the very good flavor, Vorthos man, manner of being good at explosions, which is like to say is uh, one of Goblin's three favorite things. Of course, food, rocks, and explosions are. are yeah, and uh, we covered food last week. That's true. We we absolutely did. And and this um, so for this episode is is. Taya said there's there's not a ton of story about Vile Smasher, so we'll absolutely cover that. We want to talk about that. But what we were going to do in addition to that is is something um, Hobbs and I did. Oh, God, I think it was last year, but time is has no meaning. Where he and I both talked about a goblin deck that we had and talked kind of about the story that we had for those goblins. For for me, it was Zada. For, for Hobbs, it was Grenzo. So if you do sort of like the model of this episode, those are two episodes um, in our in our back catalog that you can check out as well. But uh, so Taylor, why don't you you 
Do you want to kind of talk about the deck, or do you think we should talk about kind of yeah, the story first? Let's talk about the story first. So, um, we first meet Vile Smasher in the original Tarkir timeline, where she is a non-legendary 2-2 called Ankle Shanker. Mm-hmm. And she's um, one of Sarkon's friends in the Mardu clan. Uh, he doesn't have a whole lot of friends, but no, um, he gets along pretty good with this one little goblin. And... Okay. As a random aside, also probably not one of the best, but absolutely one of my favorite cards in Cons Limited. Oh, it, it is so good. English yeah. was so great. Yeah, giving all of your other attacking creatures death touch and first strike is so mm-hmm. good. It's just, just beautiful. But anyway, yeah. So yeah, just going right after those ankles, like you think, going in low, and it doesn't matter how much damage you deal, you're going to cripple somebody. Oh yeah. Yeah, you can be as tall as you want, but you got to touch the ground somewhere for the most part. Yeah. So, yeah, and then when we come back around um, to the dragon side and the very first story of dragons, um, we get to catch up with uh, our friend Ankle Shaker, except now she has a name and it's File Smasher. And um sarkhan is very surprised about this and this is the story uh a tarkir of dragons by kimberly cranes yeah and and as just a quick again i'm gonna keep, probably keep quick aside because that's the thing i like to do but um for folks who aren't familiar with the con storyline which unfortunately may be a lot we were just kind of you know it might be, how long yeah, ago that was can't believe that it's eight years old at this point yeah it, it was i really i, I love the set i thought it was a neat a neat idea, but the the basic premise was that Sarkin from Sarkin Vol, who is from Tarkir, a world that used to have dragons, but they have gone extinct. He, through various story machinations, basically goes back in time and makes changes the timeline. And so there are dragons when he comes back to to the world in the Dragons of Tarkir, the set uh, storyline, like like Tay was saying, and. And finds his old friend only different. Yeah, you know, one of the things that kind of comes out of this story is that nobody knows who Sarkon is in the new timeline. He's basically never existed. So none of his, uh, you know, old friends recognize him at all. Um, Yeah. I, I like the joke that he Marty McFlyed himself, but I realize now that is also a reference that a number of people may be too young to get. <laughs> uh, a Back to the Future reference, if if that is the case, to uh, you don't know who Marty McFly was. Yeah. Oh, that's just making me feel <laughs> really old. Right so, now. in this week's episode of Making the Co-Hosts Depressed. Uh, <laughs> So anyways, we get back there. Sarkhan goes to meet up his old pals in the Mardu and finds his old rival, Zergo, has been demoted from Khan of the Clan down to Bellstriker. And all he does is essentially call the dragons to come play now. That's his whole job at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was a total jerk, so it was well-deserved. Yep. See, you, uh, you you linked us the story beforehand, and I was reading it uh, a little while ago to, to prep for the show, and I realized, you know, I'm like, maybe just because it's been eight years, but also, I'm not sure if I actually ever read this one, and this was a fun, a fun little story. Yeah, and, you know, 
when he first shows up at the Marduk camp, he gets greeted by this hyperactive little goblin who's, you know, intruder, intruder, uh, speaks very poor English, but gets the point across and um, throws a vial of dragonfire, her namesake um, tool, at Sarkon, and he does his thing and transforms into a <laughs> dragon and deflects the vial and then she gets down on her knees and she's like worshiping the dragon man. Uh, as you do. Yeah. As you do. Uh, and um, you also get the, the other thing I think it's kind of pertinent to mention is that um, she apparently has a nickname, which is vile breaker, uh, which Zergo Belsringer brings up and um, that kind of comes plays into even more with her commander mechanics because it's completely random um, who she hits. Oh, that makes sense. I didn't, I didn't put that together. I, I did kind of like that. You know, I don't think she kind of liked that nickname. It seemed when I was reading, which she did not like her did. nickname. Not like, at all. No, though. It's like, no, she no, was no. like, no, I'm file smasher. Yes. And, and that, you know, kind of fits in with the whole, with the whole Karkir or the, the Mardu, um, in the sort of history, one of the stories from the previous set, Fate Reforged, that was a big deal in, in the names, choosing names. I think that probably yeah. came up in multiple stories, but I know specifically for, for Alesha in, yeah. in her story. And so that makes sense, too, to put that together, where if, if that is Vile Smasher's name, is Vile Smasher, it's, it's kind of a dig and not really a friendly one, which kind of goes to your point about Zerko kind of being a jerk. Yeah, I mean, Zergo is still, still a, jerk a jerk in this timeline. He's just a jerk with no authority. Yeah. So they they do. He does carry that part over. Um, where he was really, in a lot of ways, the main antagonist of the cons of Tarkir. Yeah, and and like you say, even from a card standpoint, and this is, oh man, it's been, well, I was going to say it's been a long time, but actually you did this like a month ago where we go, well, this could be another episode. Um, an, an episode I want to do sometime is to talk about, this one is very, there's very direct lines, but I kind of love the idea of examining characters who come back with different color identities and kind of what that might mean, not just mechanically, but also story-wise and so the zergo you see a lot of change in his two two things but like you say a lot of that personality is still there and he just doesn't have the authority now because he had this world had dragons so it's like just being a big beefy orc wasn't enough for him to sort of muscle his way into a position of authority yeah and it kind of applies in the story that he's just a bad warrior in this one because his blade is just <laughs> worn down from beating on a bell and he doesn't actually see any combat with it. Mm-hmm. Where that was his whole thing uh, in the initial timeline. Yeah, I mean, and that kind of fits to, to the little Melthos too with the card, with how the Zergo Belt Striker card plays compared to how the Helm Smasher Yes. Yeah, it's yeah. uh, there are from, some very Mel designs for sure, yeah, like that uh, that whole block structure, all three of those sets, yeah. Was was that the last three set block structure? That's a, another rabbit hole, it was one of the last for sure, yeah. But, but that it was a really interesting idea of we're gonna have one set in the present time go back into the past and then have the events of that past 
change. Yeah, it was the last three um, three set block because the next set after that is Battle for Zendikar. Ah, uh, yep. And that was the start of the two set block for a while. But so, yeah, so you you just you have that interesting Melthos sort of examination of well, how would this character be different if things changed? If the world around them was different, and how would they be the same? Especially from a story standpoint, we we see that you know that. Zergo definitely has some personality characteristics that were the same or very similar. Yeah. And, uh, but to, to Vile Smasher, I guess. Yeah, I mean, Vile Smasher is, she's a good little goblin. She just wants to protect her, protect her people and light things on fire. It's kind of like everything you want out of a goblin. (laughs) Yeah. And sadly, that's about all the story we have um, for her. It's uh, kind of a bummer. I, I wish she's one of those characters I would love to see revisited um, through some in-between fiction or something or a new commander set card that just kind of catches up on where she's at. Yeah, yeah, because it, it was... Yeah, no, and I, I love her card was in the, is in a commander set to begin with too, which is a one of the things I loved about those commander sets for a while was the ability to sort of check in on lots of different places and lots. Yeah, of and we've people. kind of we've lost that since they've started tying the commander decks to the planes because we used to get a lot of it. Yeah, like that set alone because that was the four color ones that had the first partners. So there was what, fifteen partners plus the five four colors and. If I remember correctly, so 20 legends plus a a smattering of other ones within the decks. And we had something like 10 or 12 worlds represented, including both versions of Tarkir, which I loved. Yeah, we got both versions of Tygam. Yep, we got two versions of Tygam. And um, there was, I want to say there was one of the, at least one of the partners was from the alternate Tarkir, but now I'm. Blanket because I realized the the bird one who I I have a vile smasher deck I haven't I haven't played much it was that's a whole other thing but I I was using um, Ishai is that the blue white bird Ishai, yeah the bird partner which I, I I was thinking was oh yeah from the other dark here no no they're both from the present timeline yeah or the the dragons timeline yeah. Uh, anyway, but we have gotten some legendary characters from the other timeline printed in between. Yeah, which which is super cool. I love that that gets to be alive in some of those products. Yeah, I just I I really you know I hadn't thought about it much until you mentioned it, but now that the commander sets are tied to the set releases, we're just not getting as much as that as we used to. No, and and I can see from a marketing standpoint where that is cool and like makes sense but unfortunately sometimes marketing and magic as a product doesn't jive as well with what would be cool for as for magic as a consumer and and a, as a participant yeah so kind of moving to talk about the deck a little bit um the the commander pair i'm running is vile smasher and thrasios and thrasios is uh yet another busted simic commander um uh, and uh, when I get to the theme, it'll make sense why I'm pairing these two up. But um, Vile Smasher uh, does whenever you cast your first spell each turn, choose an opponent at random, and she deals damage equal to that spell's mana value to that player or a planeswalker they control. 
So you just randomly get to toss out some damage every time you cast your first spell. Which is one of my, of all the partners, I think Vile Smasher is, is my biggest go-to. I'll say I, I've only built one deck with her, but I have a number of decks where I was like, I need another partner, Vile Smasher. Oh, it's always going to be Vile yeah. Smasher. It, it, uh, she's just a, a good, she mixes well with any of the commanders because you're going to get incidental damage for casting spells, which is something you're going to be doing yeah. anyways. And uh, one of the things I love about her ability is because it's random, there's a little bit less um, weight you know, politically, socially within the game of, well, I'm just choosing you to target you. Like, yeah, no, I'm sorry. I just rolled the die, and it's whoever the die lands on. That's that's who gets hit this turn. Yeah. Um, although I have it in, I have it in my um, Ractus Lord of Eldrazi deck, and it doesn't matter if it's random or not. When somebody <laughs> takes ten from an Eldrazi, they they yeah. tend not to be too happy about that. Yeah. Well, that was the other thing from from a metal standpoint. One of the things I love about Vile Smasher is doing funky things like delve cards or other yeah. alternate mana cost things that allow me to sort of cheese that and dome someone for like seven when I only paid like four mana or something. Yeah. So, um, and just to get into the explanation of the deck, uh, what Thrasios does is uh, Thrasios um, taps for a color list for each card you've drawn this turn. So oh, if you can right. see, the whole point of my deck is to make <laughs> a lot of mana. Um, mm-hmm. And why I'm making that mana is to cast another cons uh, card, and my, probably my favorite magic card of all time, which is Villainous Wealth. <laughs> Speaking uh, of, of doming people for yes. large amounts. So Villainous Wealth is uh, Assault Eye and X, and target opponent exiles the top X cards of your library. You may cast any number of spells with mana value X or less from among them without paying their spell, the <laughs> mana cost. So my whole deck is about making a lot of mana, so drawing a bunch of cards with Thrasio, um, playing villainous wealth on my opponent and copying and forking it and recurring it and whenever i cast a big villainous wealth just incidentally doming somebody with file smasher nice um uh it 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 tends to work um i've only gotten to play this deck a few times because it's relatively new and it's um it's really good (laughs) Oh, that's that's great. Yeah, it it's so. I I had uh, I've accidentally gone infinite mana twice in this, not even realizing <laughs> I had it on board. <laughs> and then it it's a matter of well, um, I'm just going to um villainous wealth you for sixty and fork it and villainous wealth you for sixty at the same time and then let's take half an hour to resolve this and see how much stuff I had on my board after <laughs> see let's say I appreciate that you had something to do with that, but then it, you spent half an hour to see I once had a deck where I accidentally went infinite with mana on board and then literally had no way to win the game. So I had we to had this add game. in a win con later. Um, the last time I played this deck, 
Um, I hit a bunch of draw spells off of um, my son's deck. So I, I was drawing cards <laughs> as I was resolving the spells for his deck. And oh I still God. had... I still had a, another um, one for X equals 60 on the stack targeting um, our friend Kaburi. And um, off of my draw spell, I draw um, I draw Comet Storm off my deck. So I just Comet Storm everybody to save from having to resolve the rest. <laughs> In response to my own shenanigans, I yeah. just end it all. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. Oh, yeah, let's... Great. Let's save some time here. But, um, so I get to play a lot of things in this deck that um, are kind of unusual and um, don't get to see a lot. It's um, it's a big self wheel deck. So you you know I, I'm just trying to draw as many cards as I can during a turn and. Makes sense. Trying to pump up that uh, Thrasios as much as possible, and then I have some ways to tap Thrasios and um, tap her again. And uh, so I, I just have to ask, and I want you to kind of go into some specifics and other things you like, but just for my own weird self, going back to old cards that I just was mystified by when I was captivated by when I was a kid. Do you have Instill Energy in the deck? Um, no, I don't okay. have Instill Energy. It's probably not a good card, but it's it's one of those cards that I will sometimes play, even though I probably never should in Commander yeah. anymore. I think I can see the art in my mind, but I totally forget exactly what that card does. Yeah. I don't remember the specifics, but I know it lets you, it's an aura. Uh, hey, untap a creature, only do it once, only during your turn and only once per turn. Yeah, it's it's fairly limited, but at least back in the revised days, like it was such a unique thing, and we had nothing broken to do with it. But it was a super unique card to be like, oh, I get to tap my Lunar Elves, and then I get to untap it and tap it again. Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not a bad card. Um, it really <laughs> isn't. Okay. But yeah, so what are some of the other like, you know, big fun cards you've got going on in there? All right. So some of the other fun stuff I have in this deck, um, I'm just going to kind of start going through and um, looking at one of the packages I have is what am I going to do with all these cards I'm discarding? Because I don't want to just deck myself here. I want to make use of my resources. I want to be a good goblin and... Even if I'm blowing things up, I want to make good use of what I'm blowing up in the process. And so I, I'm I'm running another oldie uh, goodie, a library of Lang. Mm-hmm. Yep. Another one is whenever you, you you skip the discard phase of your turn, and if anything forces you to discard, you can put them on top of your library instead. I don't really care what I'm drawing. I just care how many times I've drawn during a turn. So I don't mind just wheeling stuff and drawing the same <laughs> cards that I just wheeled. Nice. Uh, and then there's a new card called Containment Construct, which um, lets you exile a card that you've discarded and play it till end of turn. So that um, lets you get a little bit of value out of something you've discarded. Um, it's a big mana deck, so of course I'm playing I'm playing Crufix, the god that lets you bank mana, so I can just bank mana between turns two to get a nice big X spell on my turn. Um, 
I'm playing a few of uh, a few cards from the Warhammer set as well. Oh, interesting. Yeah, uh, one of them being is Magus Lyceria Cain, which uh, taps to add two colorless, and when you cast a spell with X in its mana cost using that mana, you get to copy the spell. Oh. <laughs> okay. Yep, I'd see where that'd be useful. Um, and what Sorry, what, what colors was that again? Uh, she is um, she is Teamer. Okay. So that's um, a nice fun X spell. If, if my primary plan fails, I've got you know good old Niv Mizzet uh, Fire Mind, so I can just turn all that card drawn to direct damage. And um, also Locust God to also turn that into direct damage. So I've got a few ways if something happens to my villainous wealth or um, I just don't get it for some reason. I'm playing more tutors in this deck than I do in most of my deck because it really is about playing that villainous wealth. And I want to make sure that I can get it during a game. I tend to play very limited tutors because I don't like playing a deck that plays the same way every game. And this one... I leave a lot of things up to chance um, as far as to what I play otherwise or how I get to this end state, but I want to make sure I can get that villainous wealth. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So, yeah, uh, so I'm playing uh, Mystical Tutor and Vampiric Tutor, and um, I think this one has a Demonic Tutor in it too. Yeah, it does. So I'm definitely playing a higher um, Tutor uh, total than I normally would. Um, I am playing some of those uh, good dredge cards, like you said, because I play really good with File Smasher. Like, I have a Treasure Cruise yeah. in this deck. That's one I don't <laughs> play in Commander a lot. Yeah, that's that's one of my favorites. If if I have graveyardy things, again, just the, the Mel in me is like, well, it's a good draw spell if, if I usually can dredge at least some number. Yeah, and doming somebody for eight when you cast it is just lovely, too. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, and I said, it's, it's, there's a lot of wheel effects that, you know, I play every good wheel that I can in here. So Wheel of Fortune, Wheel of Misfortune, uh, Whispering Madness, uh, which is a blue black wheel that also has cipher on it. So you encode it on a creature after you cast it. And then every time that creature does damage again, you can, um, recast the spell. Oh, I forgot about something. Is that that was a Demir mechanic, right? Yeah, that was the Demir mechanic for the Return to Ravnica block. That's right. That is such a funky mechanic that I I never think about, but it's that's a cool, yeah, cool repeatable way to do something if you have ways to get uh, through. And then I'm playing, you know, what is usually a broken card because people combine it with things like Narset um, is Teferi's Puzzle Box. Mm-hmm. Um, which, like I said, I only care about getting that card drawn number up. I'm not trying to stop people from drawing cards. So I think if somebody was building this deck as competitive as possible, they would be playing the Narsets and stuff to keep other people from drawing. But I'm, I don't play like that. No, that's that's right. That's same for me. And I, I know some folks who who will play decks more in that vein, and that just for me isn't fun. So I tend not to. Yeah, um, I did. Um, put Staff of Domination in the deck, but found out it was way too easy to go infinite with it, so 
Um, that is something that I actively need to pull out and replace with place with a similar effect just isn't as powerful maybe that's where that uh, maybe i'll put that on still energy and that's enough you know it's a low power card that does the same thing i want to do yeah that's one of the reasons i like well and and for me some of it too is just the the nostalgia for me that was one of the cards i played with back in the day when i started and then i'm um just I, i have my um all my doublers that i can so uh, I've got I've got the creature that doubles that I already mentioned. I've got Unbound Flourishing, which is a, an enchantment that doubles X spells. Um, I have a couple of different forks: uh, Reverberate, Twinferno. Um, you know, I actually don't have good old classic fork. Does that one make cut? No, it doesn't because the other ones aren't double red. It's easier to cast them. Yeah, that's just kind of the state of the game i guess in, in a yeah, lot of ways i mean reverberate is fork but you get to uh it only works on instance and sorcery so i could have i could have just replaced that with a regular fork and had the same effect but um i like the art on reverberate better than the art on fork that, that's fair the, the art on so, reverberate is great yeah especially i'm running the warhammer 40k one which has some absolutely sick art on it oh i'm not sure i've seen that i'll have to look that up so if you don't mind me me pulling back just a little bit, you, you mentioned something earlier that I think is really interesting, just from how you build decks, because I think I build kind of in the same way, because you talked about one of your packages. Do you, is that a common thing for decks, or is that more for this deck, where you kind of have discrete packages of cards? That's just how I think about deck building, is that I'm, I kind of break down what the deck wants to do, Mm-hmm. And then put in sets of cards that accomplish that. So you have some you have some packages that are in every deck: your card ramp package, your um, your card draw package, your ramp package. Yeah, um, like things that you always stuff. need. Yeah, and then you uh, then you build in the ones for the specific thing you're working on. So yeah, that's that's. I guess I don't know how common, but that is just a thing I've sort of landed on myself when I'm trying to build, and maybe it's when you're trying to do funky mechanical Mel Melthos sort of things, you, you tend to gravitate towards that sort of style because that's what I found for myself, at least when I'm building a deck that kind of has a few different interlinking things it's trying to do. I kind of need to examine the deck in that way. Like I don't always care so much how many creatures, how many sorceries. It's more about, like you say, the packages, how does it do this thing? Does it do that thing? How many of each effect? Yeah, it's, you know, just breaking down the deck and how you build it and how you look at the components that make it up. Yeah, I uh, I build um, more commander decks than is healthy for me to build, so it's not... Um, it's not too uncommon, especially, you know, over the holidays, I built four new decks. I haven't built another one since then. So I've gone, I've gone a month and, you know, a month and a third without building a new deck. So <laughs> good job. <laughs> nice. Now that... but, uh, I've only gotten to play them once too. So if anybody's listening that does like streaming or anything and wants someone on their stream to play commander, you know, let me know because I would love to um, play some more streams. Uh, so kind of, I think the last thing, and then, 
you know, I, I do have my standard um, standard ramp package, standard card draw package. Those are both um, part of the deck, especially being a green deck. It's mostly uh, mostly land ramp via sorcery instead of uh, artifacts. I've only got a few artifacts in here. Um, one of them, though, uh, which tends to be... It's one of the ways to go infinite mana pretty easily with Thrasios is Umbral Mantle. Uh, because as long as you have drawn um, four or more cards during a turn, which is not hard in this deck, Umbral Mantle just goes infinite with Thrasios. Oh, okay. Yep, that's that. Um, if people don't know what okay. Umbral Mantle is, it is um, one of those weird Shadowmoor cards that has untap on it. And it has uh, three untap. This creature gains plus two, plus two until end of turn. Um, equip cost is uh, zero. So as long as you can generate four mana, you can just keep on un keep untapping and tapping the creature, make the creature infinitely large, and generate infinite mana. Yeah, I'm not surprised we haven't seen the untap <laughs> mechanic. Um. No, no, I'm not either. It's it, it, from a mill standpoint. There's some some interesting and, and fun sort of design stuff there, but it is especially in a the large card pool of a commander format, it is too easy to just two, three card infinite combo. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then like, you know, a lot of good blue decks. I have a, I have my protection package. Um, I tend to play a lot less counter spells than most people, but I am running, um, I'm running a few in this deck just because I want to make sure my big villainous wealth actually resolves. So I have a, um, I have a, uh, fierce guardianship and a counter classic counter spell, um, and, uh, and a mana drain because it, what's good with <laughs> what, what's good about, or what's even better than generating a lot of your own mana is taking your opponent's mana and then villainous wealthing them with their own mana. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, so yeah, and that's kind of um, so the win con really plays out differently uh, all the time because you're the deck itself. Uh, you know, other than Vile Smash, you're doing direct damage and um, occasionally a very large Comet Storm. It doesn't really have much in the way of. Um, there's a few other things I mentioned: Admizit and Locust God that can um do incidental damage here and there but it, it's not a deck that um is meant to kill your opponents it's a deck to let you kill your opponents with their own stuff mm -hmm. which is cool and and i like i guess i don't know if it, this works out for you but i know oh, i can't remember who it was it might have been hobbs um but somebody was was talking about a deck that mostly like takes opponents things or copies opponents things which is why i'm thinking it was hob maybe his mariki reaper a deck um but he likes it because it from a power level standpoint it's easy to scale up and down oh i mean that could be me playing. talking about my riku deck too because my riku deck is nothing but clone so i am just reliant on what my opponents are playing yeah so yeah maybe and maybe it was even you talking about that deck too and like i like i love that idea of just you're like whatever crowd you can kind of play it because the win condition is your win condition <laughs> so you got a powerful deck uh, i got some powerful options if not yeah it scales up to an extent because if their decks are too fast or powerful it's just you know it's clones are filled with four drops you're not going to be able to keep up with a 
super powerful deck, but it scales up to an extent. Or, you know, if people are playing Praetors and Eldrazi, I can clone those. If people are Thassa's Oracling to win, I'm still not going to win that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. But no, that that's cool. Um, and yeah, that's kind of an overview of this deck. I'd say, you know, it plays... Um, it plays like a lot of uh, Simic decks um, from the start where you're just focused on um, ramping as fast as you can and um, card selection, mostly to try to find what you're, um, in this case, find that villainous wealth. Uh, but then you're just trying to f- stockpile enough things where you can have one big turn with Thrasios and kick off at least in, you know, X equals 10 villainous wealth and preferably do it to more than one player at a time. Uh, and it feels, it feels real good. Uh, it does, it does take a while to resolve. I, I don't play this one over spell table for obvious reasons. Uh, mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah. As, as someone who who's not really played a lot of online magic, I don't think about that, but that makes a lot of sense that you kind of have. Unfortunately, the different uh, places you're playing kind of affects the types of decks that you can just feasibly play. Right, yeah. And that's kind of been a bummer through the whole pandemic. Because like I said, Villainous Wealth is probably my favorite card in magic, and I have not gotten to play as many of them as I would like. Um it used to be the, and the kind of the idea for this deck came from um, Villainous Wealth was the win con for my, um, one of the win cons for my Atraxa Experience Counters deck, uh, which is probably the most fair Atraxa deck anybody has ever built. Um, <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Uh, you know, even, even Shivam said Ooh. that it was a, you know, a reasonably I... fair Atraxa deck. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to, uh, to, to sideline your story too much, but there was one, and I have no idea who this was. Ho- I'm pretty sure Hobbs would know who this was, but it, the last the last time there was a Minneapolis a- event, somebody had a Atraxa as many different counters as I can get deck. I've heard of that too. That and they had like one. 47 different counters or some ludicrous number. So there, that there does sound like a lot of fun too. There. But no, I, I love that Atraxa experience counters that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and kind of you know I, I have this really memorable memorable game, and it's one that Shivam was actually part of, where I villainous wealth um, a friend of mine for uh, ten and hit their. Um, is it? Uh, let's see. It's the, um, uh, it's slipping my mind, the name of the card, but it's the uh, Storm card that lets you play cards off the top of your library. Uh, oh, vaguely not to talk about, but I... Yeah, I'm going to have to look this up now because, so I hit that off of their library, plus all their other spells. Mm-hmm. So by the time I resolved that one, my Storm count was like 15, so then I got to cast 15 things off the top of my <laughs> Um, library, and that was um, that was a lot of fun. That's beautiful, and I, I love that idea too. That you've built this deck that, by and large, has has a main plan. You've got a couple backup plans. You got a couple other things you do, but uh, Mind's got- Desire is the That's name of that spell. 
But it's like you have a main plan, you have tutor support to hit that main plan, but then because it's something as random as Villainous Wealth, how that actually plays out is going to differ literally every game. Like, it absolutely will be different every time. And that's that's why I didn't feel bad about playing the tutors that I normally would. Because to me, Commander decks playing the same every time completely defeats the spirit of the format. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Yeah, I, I really love that randomness. That is, you know, that is kind of goblin to the... Goblin of the Core. Um, it is a reason I tend not to play a lot of um, tutors. Like I said, I am running. Um, I'm running uh, Rift Sweeper in here, which if you're not familiar with, it lets you get a card out of exile and shuffle it in your deck. So even if people get rid of my villainous wealth, I do have a way to get it back. That is a a favorite of a former roommate of mine. He he had Rift Sweepers in like every green deck he played. So very familiar with Rift Sweeper. Yeah, you know, normally I don't run it, but since the deck is really hinges on one card, I wanted to make sure I had a way to get it back if I needed to. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, because um, that it, it's it'll make me cry if I can't fill in as well somebody. And you know, the thing is, people get excited a lot of times when you do it too, because. Um, they get to see what's going to happen. And it's not like you're stealing their resource that they paid for. So they don't tend to get salty like you do if you're just up and stealing their creatures or whatever. Yeah. Well, if it's off the top of their deck, it's just like, oh, cool. What's going to happen? Yeah. And it, it, they, in a weird way, you also get to like help them show off their cool stuff. Right. Exactly. Like, sure. They're not casting it, but they still get to be like, look at all my cool things that you just ripped off the top of the deck. Yeah, um, last time I played, um, somebody chaos wand me and hit expropriate off the top of my deck, and I thought it was hilarious, because <laughs> it's like, well, I'm the one who was playing expropriate, so this is obviously my fault, but... <laughs> There's a little bit know. of that, too. <laughs> I, do, I do love that version of stop hitting yourself. That's a new one I haven't had a lot of experience with. So, yeah, um, we were playing a pod. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Nira. She's a more recent commander. Yes, um, vaguely familiar with the card. I, I Yeah, so um, two of us were playing Nira decks. So we were oh, just chaos wow. flipping off of each other's decks. And, uh, and then the other person, um, I forget exactly what they were playing. They were playing something chaosy as well. Uh, and at one point, they cloned one of the Neras, so everybody had a Nira. Oh, no. Oh, no. oh that's great. And this is something that we've been trying to. Um, Shannon also has a, a Nira deck, so and then Shivam has one. So at one point, the the idea is to have a four player pod of nothing but Nira decks with uh, <laughs> Wing, Shannon, Shivam, and I. Oh my god! Yeah, I I have. Nira in oh, a deck I have only gotten to play once or twice because pandemic, and I'm blanking on the name of this commander, but they're the uh, green, red, blue elemental that whenever you are cascading, you may play a land that was revealed in the oh, cascade. Oh, okay, right. Yeah, I don't remember the name of that one either. And being a land thing and being sort of a random thing because you're building this deck around cascade then, which is right. one of my favorite random mechanics in the game. So yeah, Nira, I thought I pulled a Nira in just some random booster pack. I opened at my, my local store. It's like, well, this goes in this deck. Cause I had yeah. like a, a Nira is another one that I, I 
really love and it's another it's another random deck and i just you know the something about these kind of decks really draw me to them uh even if they're not as consistent and likely to win as a lot of people want their commander decks to be uh i have a lot of fun playing them so like yeah they they took my expropriate they copied it um fun was still had by all uh we're, we were laughing the whole time it was being resolved because of just how ridiculous it got. It, and then what they got to do with their two extra turns and how many spells they copied once they had Nira out because oh one God. of the things they stole was my uh, uh, Hive Intelligence, which copies your first instant sorcery every turn. Okay. Uh, so yes, they... Right. Yeah. <laughs> so yes. it's just like... Right. Copy everything. Swarm Intelligence. That's what it is. Swarm Intelligence, yeah. My... my brain of cards is twisted by my former roommate who likes to play hive mind and other yeah, things no. like the same guy who plays Rift sweeper in lots of decks so it's like there is a very weird subset of cards that yeah, i'm more familiar so, with than i probably would like to be i would i would i feel bad for anyone who's that familiar with hive mind that card doesn't do anything fair no it's yeah it's the the, the simple version because there's no simple way to actually explain how the card works but basically it's when anyone casts something everyone casts that something (laughs) and it is just as painful to resolve uh, uh, as as that makes it sound yeah and it also combos with a lot of things that keep people from casting stuff out of order so you can keep people from just casting spells with it yes and i'll say he is not someone who who plays those things. He likes the chaos. He will take advantage of the chaos, but he he's another one who plays Teferi's Puzzle Box, but he's played in his, his Nekusar deck where you're taking damage for every card you draw. Oh. So again, I, like he'll he'll use those things to, against you, but he won't put in the Narset to stop you from drawing because what's the fun of that? Yeah. I still have um I still have uh, seized the day in some of my red decks because I used to have a an um, uh, yeah, what was the name of that commander you just said? Uh, Nekusar. Nekusar. Yeah, um, had one of those on my play group constantly, and I more than once I got them right when they did a big wheel effect. I seized the day their Nekusar and killed them with their own wheel. <laughs> Oh, that's right. That's the uh, the split second. Uh, yeah, split second. Uh, hijack. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's, that's that's great. And again, just a fascinating thing for me of how like play groups work and meta game and. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, it's like for a long time, um, I had somebody in my group who played bribery in all their decks, so I took everything out of my deck, like Flightsteel Colossus and stuff mm. like that, because I didn't want it coming back my direction. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, right. cool. So that's kind of an overview of my uh, Bile Smasher deck. It's it's uh, just like her. It's uh, full of chaos and um, you know things that go boom. Uh, the namesake spell might be a salty spell, but. Uh, She's doing a lot of damage when I cast it. Yeah, it it, it all explodes. I think yeah. that's probably all fine by uh by Vile Smasher. Yeah, um, I, I do I do love Vile Smasher, and like I said, she's in my Rakdos deck too because uh, nothing's more fun than casting free Eldrazi and doing a bunch of damage in the process. 
And that's our show for today. You can find all of the hosts on Twitter for now. Hobbs can be found at HobbsQ. Taya can be found at Taya Transcends. And Alex can be found at Mel underscore Chronicler. Feel free to send us any questions, comments, thoughts, hopes, and dreams to the Goblin Lord Pod on Twitter. Or email us at GoblinLordPodcast at gmail.com. If you would like to support your friendly neighborhood gobslugs, our link tree can be found on our Twitter account and in the description of today's show. This has everything from various discount codes to the link for our Patreon. The music for today's show was by Vintergotten, who can be found at Vintergotten at Bandcamp.com. The art was done by Stephen Raphael, who can be found at Steve Raffle on Twitter. Goblin Lore is proud to be presented by Hipsters of the Coast as part of their growing Vorthos content. Check them out on Twitter at HipstersMTG or online at HipstersOfTheCoast.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, goblins, like snowflakes, are only dangerous in numbers. Thank you.